You know, when you come to the topic of prayer, there's a lot of neat things. You know, we get to go before the Lord, and, and there's a lot of good as you think of prayer, and, and even, even some fun. You know, I, I just really enjoy my times with the Lord. He's got a great sense of humor, and uh, he'd have to with people like me and his family. But there's one part of, of our prayer life with God that isn't as positive it it doesn't seem as good and it certainly is anything but fun and that is that part of our prayer life where we have to go and talk to god about what we said last night or what we did yesterday that we realize is certainly against what he would want us to do and that is called confession what is that Uh, How do you do it? What's the purpose of all this? And that's what we want to spend some time today in our prayer series this summer talking about this issue of confession. Now confession as a word in the Bible actually has two sides to the coin. There's positive confession and then what we're talking about today is kind of the negative side of confession. The positive side of confession is when you tell people something that's really important to you about what you believe. I confess to you that I have the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I confess that God is the one and only God in this world. I confess that the blood of the Lamb has brought me into a right relationship with God. So it's when you tell people in a positive way something that you believe deeply. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 10.9 that it's actually so important to do that that it's part of how you have expressed your relationship with God. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you are saved. You, you are a person who has come into a relationship with God. And in fact, <clears throat> Janet said that at the end of time, There'll be around the throne people from all tribes and nations and tongues. But there'll be a time before that at the great white throne judgment where Paul says in Philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue, even the people who in this life wouldn't do it, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So there is this positive thing about confessing and telling people what you believe. But that's the positive side of confession. And today we're going to talk about the negative side of it where you have to tell somebody again something that you believe, but what that is is not very positive. It's that you believe you have made a terrible mistake. You believe you have sinned. You believe that you have transgressed God's laws. God, I know last night when I yelled at the kids that that was wrong. That's not how you want a dad to act. And I am sorry about that. And I, and I want you to help me to not do that again. And there's some great examples of confession in the Bible. There's some real heavy hitters through the Old and New Testament that have to go to God just like we do and say, I am so sorry. What a jerk I have been. But there isn't a better example of how this confession thing worked than the confession of a man that the Bible calls a man after God's own heart, but was an adulterer and a murderer 
as well. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51. If you didn't bring your Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be on page 562 in the Bible that would be ahead of you or over one in the chair. Psalm 51, page 562. We're not going to read the whole psalm, but we're going to look at what David has to say about this confession thing. And I want you to remember that this is a song he wrote. This isn't the exact verbatim quote of what he said when he confessed his sin to God. It's a song later about that confession process with his adultery with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah as he brings it to the Lord. Look at verse 3 and 4. David says, For I know my transgression, and my sin is always before me. He gets specific. Now because it's a song, he doesn't say, and, and God, my transgression was that I committed adultery <clears throat> with a married woman, and God, I murdered her husband. He doesn't get that specific in the psalm, but that's what he did when he confessed to God. The specific part of confession is really important. Because, I, I don't know if you've ever had children, and you know you had two kids that had something between them and you know one did something you say now say you're sorry sorry oh yeah that that's really exciting you know sorry we always said to our kids what are you sorry for sorry that i punched you in the nose and i shouldn't have done that well at least we've gotten the details out and whether it was very heartfelt or whether it was very sincere at least we got on the table what i did that i know was wrong and that's what David says here. But then in verse 4, he says something amazing. Remember, this sin that he's talking about in this psalm is against a woman and her husband. But look at what he says in verse 4. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Even though David knows that his sin is against Bathsheba and Uriah, he says, God, it's really my sin against you. Because who's the one who said, thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not commit adultery? That's God. And even though there was a person involved in his sin, David goes to God and says, really, I first come to you and, and confess this as sin because I have transgressed your laws in your ways, God. If you gossip about someone with the ladies at work, yes, you, you, you would hopefully eventually go and apologize to that woman for doing that, but you would go to God and say, God, you're the God that said gossip is wrong and I am so sorry that I got caught up in that and I know that's not right. Help me to not do that again. And I love that there isn't any excuses here. It's not, you know, I mean, just think, David, well, God, you know, I, I know that I did it, but... Or, or, you know, if Bathsheba wouldn't have been out on that uh, patio thing, I wouldn't... No, there, there was no ifs, ands, buts. There was no excuse-making. He just said, look, I have transgressed against my God and my sin is before me. He, he just admits it out loud. No excuses. That was a hard lesson for me to learn. When Jonathan was little, my 25-year-old, 
He's a, I was practicing on him, and um, we got to a point where he was doing some things wrong, and he understood it, and it, it made my blood boil at times, and he'd get a discipline that was maybe done more out of anger than it was out of love. And then the Holy Spirit, or Jenny, would come to me, and we'd have a conversation about that, and I'd go to Jonathan, and at first, here was my apology. Jonathan, I am really sorry that I kind of blew it, blew my top, and you got a little more than you should have. But you know, if you wouldn't have done that, and Jenny's like, that is not a good confession of sin and apology. Just stop with the I'm sorry that what I did was wrong. And if you want to talk to him later about what he did that was wrong, that's a separate conversation. And we're just going to go to God and we're going to say, I know I did it. What I did was wrong and I am so sorry that I have offended you. In fact, this is why I think that the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. A man that is a murderer and an adulterer is called a man after God's own heart because he's willing to come to God and just say, man, did I blow it. I am so sorry. Then David goes on in verses 7-9 through and asks for cleansing for his sin. Remember, Jesus hasn't died for the sins of all men yet, and so there is this thing in the Old Testament of continual cleansing. And then in verses 10 through 12, he, he asks God to help him get back on track and restore that closeness with him. Verse 10, create in me a pure heart again, O God, and, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation in this relationship I have with you and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I look at David's confession and what really is going on is David is clearing the air with God. David knows he sinned. God knows he sinned. And we're clearing the air. Just think of any relationship that you have that's close. A husband and a wife, a parent and a child, best friends, whatever it might be, and one of you has sinned against the other. You both know it. And it's kind of creating an awkwardness in the relationship. I call it the elephant in the room. You know, when there's something between Jenny and I, you kind of walk around, you know, hi, honey, you know. And, and, and you haven't talked about it yet, and you know it was wrong, and until you kind of clear the air, there's this awkwardness in the relationship, a strain. Unfortunately, if you're a guy, one of our ways of handling it is we'd, let's just sweep it under the rug and pretend it didn't happen. That will work. That will help. Not. You have to bring it out into the open. You have to confess what you have done to this person. And that doesn't mean that before you confess it, the relationship's broken not like when you sin against somebody that you're close to, it's, well, I'm getting a divorce, or get out of my house, you dumb kid, or, or you're not my best friend anymore. But there's an awkwardness about the closeness in the relationship that needs to be restored. And forgiveness on a human basis needs to be offered. Turn back in uh, the Psalter here to Psalm 32. Few uh, chapters back, Psalm 32, uh, the same author David is is again talking about 
sin and in his life. And he says something really interesting about what happens when you and I choose not to go to God and talk to him about this. The same thing with people. But this is what happens with God. Verse 3. When I kept silent about his sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David recognized kind of what we have felt many times with God, that if you're not going to God and confessing and telling Him, you know there's kind of this heaviness and there's an awkwardness between you and God and and it, and it just doesn't feel right. And by the way, the Bible also cautions you that when God speaks to you and, and, and kind of pushes on your heart and says you need to deal with this and you choose not to, the Bible says that it develops a, a layer of callousness around our hearts. That instead of our heart being pliable in God's hands and, and us hearing Him well, when we choose to kind of put our fingers in our the ears of our heart, and we won't listen to God's promptings to ask for forgiveness. It's kind of like a, a layer of callous forms, and we don't hear as well next time. But when we do finally come to that place where we say, yes, God, I admit that. Look at what happens. Verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David says, when, when I finally say, hey, I need to go to the Lord about this, things change very quickly and the heaviness and the awkwardness in the relationship goes away. Well, so far my hunch is that most of you are kind of on track with this whole confession thing, that when we've sinned, we need to go to God and tell Him specifically what we've done. And there's no dancing around the sin and offering excuses. We just need to be plain and simple about what it is. And even if it's against a person, it's still against God as well. And that we confess our sins to get that relationship back in line and bring the closeness with the Lord back in. But you'll notice that I haven't said anything yet about our confession of sin and taking that to God, taking away our sin or our guilt for that sin. And the reason is because the New Testament doesn't talk about that. The guilt for all of your sins, past, present, and future, the penalty that you would have received had you not trusted Christ as your Savior and He shed His blood on the cross for you, that is already taken care of. So as a New Testament believer, you don't go to God to get forgiven. You go to God to restore the relationship that you have with Him. Let me ask you this. When you came to Christ, what happened? Well, He shed His blood on the cross for how many of your sins? All of them. The ones in the past, the ones that you're going to do today, and the ones in the future. So when I sin, 
technically I don't go to God and say, God, forgive me for my sin. I go to God and I say, man, I have blown it, and I am so glad that the blood of Christ has already taken care of the guilt of that sin. And now, God, I need to talk to you about that sin and renew the fellowship. Ephesians 1 Paul says, in Him, in Jesus, we have redemption. We have uh, the the letting out of of, of the sin prison. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Not forgiveness when you confess. Ephesians 2.8-9 For it is by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. Not by confession of each sin along the way. That was the Old Testament way. But it is by faith. And it's a gift of God. It's not a result of works, of you getting your confession right every time. And that's going to make you right with God. In fact, Paul says in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates His own love for this how and when. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the reason for the cross to take away the penalty and the guilt of our sin. In fact, Paul, every once in a while he does this, he just goes off in Romans chapter 5. Starting in verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, through Adam, and death came to us through that sin... But the gift is not like the trespass. God's gift. For if the many died by the trespass of this one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? For if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of the act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. So what did Paul just say? He said, first of all, you have been redeemed. You've been set free by the payment of a price for your sins. You have been saved from having to pay. What have you been saved from? From having to pay for your own sins. He paid for them. And you've been given the righteousness of Christ. God, when you trust Christ, clothes you with Jesus' righteousness. And as you go through life, and we all sin every day, it's not like God yanks the cloak of righteousness off of us, and then when we say we're sorry, He puts it back on. It's on there permanently. Now, the relationship has been strained. The the, the closeness has been broken. But the penalty and the guilt of our sin has already been taken care of, thrown as far as the east is from the west. The good news of the Gospel, folks, is not, well, trust in Jesus as your Savior, and then in some ethereal, technical way, Uh, Your sins are kind of forgiven, but you better remember every one of them and confess them, because if you don't, you're in big trouble. 
If you believe that, you need to go to the Catholic Church down the street because that's close to what they believe. That's why you confess your sins to a priest. That's why there's last confession. You wouldn't want to miss one. But the Gospel is that when you trust Christ as your Savior, all of your sins, past, present, and future, are already taken care of in a judicial sense. There is no guilt. There is no penalty to be paid. It's all done. Now, God is miffed at you. (laughs) Just like as a parent, you'd be miffed at your kids. God's not happy with this, and that's why we go to Him to restore the relationship aspect. But we are going to heaven, and our sins will never be brought back to us if we've trusted in Christ. Now, there is... There are a few of you that are sitting there like, but Pastor Mark, there's that one verse. There's that one verse in 1 John. How does that fit into this? Well, I'm going to show you. If you have your Bible, turn it to the very end almost, before Revelation, to 1 John chapter 1. This is the verse that trips people up in this area of confession as it kind of is associated with sin and forgiveness. 1 John 1.9, if you have a pew Bible, it's on page 1207. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, that if word is a big word, by the way, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you don't confess your sins, what's going to happen? Read the verse. Well, you're not going to be forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness, right? Well, it can't say that. It can't mean that because of the whole issue of the gospel that is so clear in the New Testament. So what's going on here? Well, there are a lot of theologians, I'm not a theologian, but people like me who believe he is talking in this passage to unbelievers. If you read around verse 9, verse 8 and verse 10... He is basically saying there's a bunch of unbelievers out there who are not living by the light, and one of the things that makes you know a person doesn't have the light of Christ, they don't think they're a sinner. But, verse 9, when you confess your sins and you agree with God about your sin, then He is faithful and just to forgive you for your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's talking about when you were saved. That happened. Now, in fairness, there are some scholars who would say, no, I I still think he's talking to everybody, but even them would say he's not talking about sin and forgiveness and confession with eternal consequences and the whole guilt he's talking about relationship in fact if you look back at verse 7 they point to the fact that he makes it very clear it's the blood of christ not your confession of sin that cleanses you from all for every one of your sins so no matter how you take that first john 1 9 does not say if you don't confess your sins you're not forgiven That's not his point. So confession. It's a word that basically means I need to tell someone something that I believe. 
And it could be a positive thing. I confess to the world that Jesus is my Savior. That's why when we baptize people, we have them give their testimony. That's a confession of their faith in Christ. It's a confession to the world of what they believe. But in our prayer series, confession's kind of the other side. It's when we believe and come to looking at God and go, man, did I blow it. And I need to go talk to Him about it. And I need to clear the air and agree with Him that what I did was a sin. And it's a transgression. Even if it was against a person, it's a transgression against Him. And I revel in the fact that I've already been forgiven judicially for that sin, but I need to make the relationship with God and our closeness right again. Now that doesn't sound too hard, does it? So how many of you think that confession is just one of the easier things you do in life? Not many of us. You know why? At least if you're anything like me, I know why it is for me. First one is pride. Very hard to admit that I'm wrong. Even with my wife, you know, you walk around and you're mad and stuff like that, and finally... I'm sorry. Well, why did it take three hours to come out and say that? It's because of pride. Because of stubbornness. And it's also because of blindness. Have you ever, as a believer, not even realized your sin and then God turns the light bulb on one day and it's, oh my word, I didn't even realize what I was doing was sin. God, I am so sorry. For years I've been and you fill in the blank and now I realize that that's not what you want. But I hope the words of David will ring in our ears when we think of whether we're going to confess our sin to God. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. And and for that day and night, God, your hand was heavy upon me and, and it seemed like my strength was sapped. Pastor Brad's up at uh, Ignite today, but he has a funny, it's not funny, but it's humorous in, in, in thinking about it. He has a quote that he uses about people <clears throat> who are consciously telling God, I don't want to deal with that. I don't care about that. I'll do it my own way. And it specifically is more for believers than unbelievers. He says sometimes God needs to step on our neck to get our attention you know he starts by talking to us and then he starts tapping us on the shoulder and then maybe he starts whacking us on the butt and eventually god says because he loves you and because he's not going to allow this pretending there's no sin and i'm just going to go and sweep it on he just needs to step on your neck and say so what's it going to take for you to come clean with me. Well, we said we were going to pray this summer together. And I shortened my sermon by a few minutes so we'd have some time at the end to do that. And because we're talking about confession, I'm not going to have you kind of pair up in groups and, hey, confess your sins to we you know, no. Let's just let's just do the, the vertical thing today, okay? And so what I'm literally going to do as Chris just starts playing some music. I'm going to lead you in some confession and then give you time 
silently to fill in the blanks. And some of them, (laughs) you may have a long list and you, you don't get done until I move on to the next one. Some of them, you might have a hard time thinking of anything. But I just want to lead you through what what might be a good way to confess to the Lord your sin, but I want you to do it privately. Most people close their eyes. You don't have to. God can see you without closing your eyes or hear you. But don't do it in groups. Just kind of, It's just between you and God. So let's go talk to Him. <clears throat> Father God, first of all, we would just say thank You because... We know we're sinners. And you allow, because of the blood of your Son, sinners to come talk to you and boldly approach the throne of grace, and we are glad. But Father, we would admit that we have committed sins against you, whether they're against another person or not, or whether it was really just something that you and us know about. We've done some things today and yesterday and this week that you haven't been happy with. And we just want to bring them to you right now and confess them to you and get them out in the open. just attitude issues that maybe we didn't do any one thing that was so wrong but we know our attitude wasn't right and we didn't do it in the way you would want us to do it and we are sorry for that confess to you as well that there are things in your word that you have made very clear that we should be doing that we have omitted in our lives or we don't do them very often and sometimes it's easy to think of the things that we do that are wrong but we don't think very often of the things you've asked us to do that we're not doing or that we don't do near to the degree that you've asked us to do and we would just confess those to you right now Father, every one of us would have to agree that at some point in this last week, we haven't trusted you. We've worried. We've been anxious. We've kind of said to you, we know you're there, but you really can't handle this and we need to worry about it for you. And Lord, we know that's sin as well. And we ask you to just bring that to our mind to help us to confess what parts of our lives these days we're holding on to instead of giving to you and worrying about it because we don't want to be that way, Lord.
And Father, we are so grateful that for those in this room who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that in a way, your response to us is what sin? That we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That our sin, even though we need to clear it between us, is already taken care of. And the guilt and the penalty has already been paid. And Jesus, we are so grateful for a Savior like You. And Lord, I pray as as we go into life, and Monday hits and all that, that we would be reminded, first of all, to confess to You quickly what we've done and clear the air. But we would also remember how freely we are forgiven and how freely anyone who comes to You is is willing to have that relationship restored. But God, we we can admit to You that's hard for us to do with people that have hurt us, with people that have sinned against us. Help us by Your example to be people that would be quick to forgive and quick to restore relationships to the way they were when sin is confessed and there is a clearing of the air between us and brothers and sisters here at church, family members, friends, people at work, whatever it might be. Help us to model the forgiveness and the receiving of a confession well. And we ask all of this in the precious precious name of the one that makes all of this possible your son our lord and savior jesus christ amen amen well we have one final announcement before you head out and uh, melanie nevar is going to give that for us well on behalf of women's ministries i would like to invite every single one of you ladies to our annual progressive dinner This year we have a little twist on that. We're calling it our progressive potluck potpourri. And instead of the traditional um, going from home to home, we will be staying here at the church. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, We've got some logistics to work out with that, but we're working on that. And um, uh, Laura Over is going to prepare our meat for us. She's going to have Laura pork. I know you like that, so that's a plus. Um, So if you would uh, please see me at the back after church and sign up at Sign Up Central, we would like to prepare for each of you individually to to come. Um, Also, if any of you are kind of been on the fence and and you're thinking that, you know, I think I do want to go to Women of Faith. We're having that on August 16th and 17th, and we do have two tickets left. So if you're interested, come see us at Sign Up Central. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, There were six tickets left at the beginning of the week, and now there's two, so uh, don't wait too long if you are thinking of going to that, ladies. Would you stand with me? I hope that today didn't feel like a scolding. I honestly revel in my Father's forgiveness. And when I go and talk to him about it, it is always good. It isn't good while we're necessarily having to admit it and say it out loud to God and all that. But when it's done, it's always good. And I always walk away forgiven, 
because of what Christ did for me, that's a done deal. But having God say, you know what, I'm glad we got this out in the open and the elephant's gone from the room. Now, let's go get them together hand in hand. Father God, thank You for that. And thank You that Your grace, that You give people not what they deserve, but what they need, is so generous. And as we leave this place, would You help us to be as gracious to the people we run into? Lord, would You help Tim and Janet as uh, they spend time sharing with what You're doing in a different part of the world? Uh, and then go back to Cote d'Ivoire, would you help them express the grace of God to those people who are struggling with each other because of a lot of sin uh, between them in these days? And would you use your people around this world to make it known how God works through this whole nastiness of sin in such a wonderful way? And we ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, Amen.